Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To trunk, and I'm joined this week again, as ever, by Mr. Raj Baines. How you doing, Raj? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. I, sh- I forgot to mention at the very top of the show, um, which was just about 30 seconds ago, um, that this is a very special WrestleMania edition oh, of Roll the Roost podcast. Um, were you were you shocked by the Takers' resignation last night, Raj? You know what? It took over my Twitter timeline and it was quite embarrassing it's just one of those things where I, I can't get my head around it um, I know we'll upset some people having this sort of a chat but it was one of those things where I, I genuinely grew out of it sort of my second to last year of primary school so like my last year of primary school I stopped watching it because it began to become so see-through and sort of uh, you know no enjoyment I could derive from it anymore because I'd discovered <laughs> proper sports um that it just you know i don't understand the appeal of it anymore and sort of uh, the fact that it's you know so many grown men who should you know know better perhaps still watch it is uh i, I guess I, you know i get it to each his own you know other people have different, it's, but it's just it's just own. a creepy thing though because it's for kids the I, I tell you the, the thing I find most. Uh, You're winding most, it back here. You're making me look like the bad guy. No, off air. No, no, no. I tell you what I find. You'd be using pedo it. and nonsense liberally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do find it quite interesting that it seems to be like from the from the people I follow on Twitter who are very much into it are sort of very very left wing, shall we say? It's a very left wing orientated people that follow what is probably one of the most problematic forms of entertainment going just in terms of like the values that they project um kind of like how it, you know the way women are presented within that space the way i, I don't know do you know I, it just they don't call them quite... divas anymore Jack. they call them superstars but i think that was about oh, three okay. weeks ago they made that decision yeah i don't know it just seems quite on dodgy guns, so I do find it quite interesting the the characters I I do see who are very into into their wrestling and stuff. But you know, eh, hey, it's, I, it's, um, I've always sort of associated it with um, the types I'd imagine spending their sort of weekends in games workshop. But <laughs> it's like it seems to be far more wide reaching than that. I'm I'm not sure. It's just um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see it for me. There's other there's other things to spend my time on. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's definitely not for me. I'll be honest. Um, you're all nonces if you like, <laughs> if you do like wrestling and you're listening. Um, however, now we've and now we've nice past get, that moment. Get us in Sorry. trouble nice and early. Yeah, I know. I just thought, you know, you you know me, mate. Rather than waiting um, too early in it, the listenership will do it right off the bat. Yeah, we just we just cut the cord from the off. Um, so fucking bloody buggering good result against Burnley. I thought, mate, didn't you? It's a very boat race uh, description of it. I know. Uh, That's what I was going for. I'm glad it. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I was slightly worried at half-time after the injuries and the formation change and the fact that Burnley have got, you know, or had a very good home record. They still do, but it's they've had a, they've, I don't think they've won since January, so they're not in the greatest of form. Um, but no, it's one of those pleasing ones. It's one of those ones that sort of um, it gives you more hope than perhaps you should because Chelsea have got Manchester City next time out and we've we've got this run of three or four games against teams in the bottom half of the table where you'd imagine they're they're more winnable than not although the cliches of course at this time of the season that that's when that end of the table becomes more difficult than sort of your mid-table sides are that are stereotypically called what are they on the beach um Mm. so it's 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 interesting. I mean, the, the performance. I can't take anything away from it, especially the way that um, Pochettino handled it in game to sort of change the formation of things. They, they seemed like desperation moves at the time, but they seemed actually um, well measured and and they won us the game essentially. Especially the change of shape. I, I think we're we're pretty much at the point now where we know that three four three isn't. Uh, a system we can use if both Walker and Rose aren't playing. It's something that is slightly questionable if there's only one of them available, but it's at its best when both of them are there. So if it is Trippier and Davies, then you, you're far more comfortable with four at the back and, and let Aldo Wild and Vertonghen sort of concentrate much more on their job. And, and Eric Dyle's fantastic in midfield, given the option. Uh, I know. it's. I was just literally about to go on to that, where it, it's, it is a nice problem to have, but again... It is a problem of sorts when you do see how good Eric Dyer is in midfield again and what he does bring. I mean, because it's so hard. You you really, you, you couldn't really drop Wanyama or Dembele for him at all. But his kind of his probing passes and the way he does marshal that midfield, the way he screens the, the defence is... I don't know, it has been missing at times, sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And... It it was nice seeing him effortlessly kind of slot back into into that midfield berth again, and yeah, we'll we'll probably get to see it against against Swansea because Wanyama is going to be out, and obviously we had Winks who Winks it, seems like a more serious injury than Wanyama's. It's bizarre, was. isn't it? It didn't seem that bad. I mean, you saw him kind of tumbling, and then there was all that kind of consternation uh, from the commentators who seemed to be more concerned about the well being of the Burnley staff. <laughs> As they were, uh, you know, a, a young player who had potentially broken his ankle or something. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem to be anything that serious. There's that um, footage of um, the medical staff telling Pochettino about it, which is quite interesting because he he does look like a father in a hospital waiting room waiting for updates on his kid, um, and he does look slightly de- dejected when he hears the um, the initial prognosis. I imagine it was. 
He um, loves him, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's got quite a, an emotional connection with most of the players, which is the reason why so many of them have sort of publicly linked their futures at the club with him, which is, you know, uh, once a, a, a good thing to hear and equally troubling if you were to look at the negative aspect of that. You know, I think we touched on that last week as sort of, you know, if Pochettino goes, is that the the house of cards that, that tumbles on top? So I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but um, it wasn't good to see either of them go off. But I think the way the way it was handled was impressive and especially the fact that there, there appeared to be some strength in depth. Um, we saw Sun coming on scoring with his first touch at, um, at ball. I don't think Janssen was particularly bad either. Uh, he seems to have a bit of a knock as well. Uh, but, you know, the amount of work he put those Burnley defenders through was impressive. Because um, I know there were there were times... He was decent, wasn't he? Yeah, there were times... Um, this is perhaps a, a comparison that some people may have trouble with just because he was always a divisive figure. But there were times at Adebayor's best with us where he wouldn't score, but he would be such a, a physical... Um, opposition and, and such a problem constantly up top that he would knacker out defenders. And then by the time he came off and say, you know, Defoe or someone would come on afterwards. I can't remember who was at the club at the same time as Adibayo now, but, you know, somebody else came on and would score a goal and then everybody would be like, oh, maybe we should be starting this person up front. And he's like, hang on a minute, the only reason they've just scored is because they're playing against defenders that are at 40% of their best because they just spent the best part of an hour and a bit running Wait, around trying to... Overlap Defoe, maybe? I, th- I think... Because it's a good point you I raised. S- I said Defoe. I, I think it was Defoe. But I always... Maybe Keane? No, I think Keane had that... The, the weird second spell with Keane always throws me off because he spent most of that on loan at random places because he was at, like, he was at West Ham and Celtic, wasn't he, for a bit? Um, but I, yeah, I think yeah. it was Defoe because Defoe was there well into AVB's time, which would make sense. Mm. Um... But yeah, I think it was Defoe would come on and, and Tottenham fans had this weird relationship with Defoe where half of them, you know, loved him and the other half sort of didn't see point of him and <laughs> the truth was always somewhere uh, in the middle. But it was just one of those where it was slightly reminiscent of that. I think what he did was fantastic and he tested the goalkeeper a couple of times, a lesser keeper than, than Heaton and uh, they would have probably been in trouble. He's a, he, he he did pull off a few good saves actually, Heaton. So it's, I'm, yeah, he's I'm, um, I'm, he's a man, he's a Man United product, isn't he? And they they yeah. have a long line of producing sort of good goalkeepers that end up just being the first choice at other places. I mean, there's uh, that Tom Johnston who's at Villa at the moment, who's very good. But you've obviously got Ben um, Ben Foster and and the likes elsewhere. And. Uh, Oh Christ! I can't even remember what I was going to say, but fuck it, we won. I'm I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest. Um, Chelsea slipped up as well, so naturally I am starting to stream with the title again, mate. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I know it's I know it's silly, but that's me. Yeah. Um, it's not something I've even given a second thought to, to be honest. Um, um, I can't help it, Raj. My 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 one is the FA Cup. I'd rather the FA Cup at the at the moment. Well, not rather the FA Cup, but I'd rather concentrate on winning that at the moment than uh, than any sort of league um, title. But you know, we'll see if they lose to uh, lose to Manchester City and we go three points nearer than four points to go is uh, is more of a conversation than seven. 
Definitely is. I, I, I don't know. I think they, they can wobble. I'm not sure they got the, I'm not sure they got the characters to, you know, if they do really sense us breathing down their neck, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We said this about Lesser City and they were... I know. Do you also, do, I, I, I had, uh, I, I'm pretty sure this is true. I think I had after the Burnley game now, we now have more points at this stage in the season than Leicester had at the same stage last season. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise is, me. There's always um, sort of that bizarre. sort of thing. I mean, there's. Uh, I remember that year that we finished with 82 points. Was it under AVB? Eight, not 82, maybe 75 or something like that. That He finished with the highest points ever. That It was the Bale year where we finished fifth and he'd finished with the highest points total of any Tottenham manager ever in the Premier League era. Um, I think that was good enough for second uh, some other season so it's it's just dependent on how big the gulf is between the top clubs and the bottom clubs year on year so it's um i i think it's probably more fruitful to look at sort of comparative results year on year than it is to look at points totals because that's sort of that's that's more likely to vary in in relation to what the standard of the league is that season mm. if you sort of catch me drift no, yeah, it's because it's fucking irritating. Because I, I believe that that AVB season that you referenced there it would have been like a a title winning points tally. Yeah, well, it's similar a with ridiculous um, amount of seasons, isn't it? Well, the there's, a, history. there's the same thing at Huddersfield this year in the Championship, where I think their points total a couple of weeks ago was good enough for automatic promotion in like eight of the past ten seasons or something like that. They were at one point they were the best ever third place team in the Championship ever. So it's just you know it's one of those frustrating things that happens. It's a, it's a quirk of that system, I think. So. Um, rather than getting annoyed with it, you've just got to sort of grin and bear it because um, they, they, they tend to crop up more often than not. And, um, if there's a weird quirk to be ran into, then it's not unlike Tottenham Hotspur to, to meet it. I like getting annoyed about things, mate. It's, you know, it's what I do. It's just that's what I am. I'm a, big, I'm a big ball of getting annoyed. That's basically it. That's my function on this planet. To be contrary, to wind people up, and to get easily wound up. I think I need some counselling. Um, anyway, whilst I think about that one... Um, That's what, a, at least I know what to get you as a wedding present. <laughs> we've got a double... No, mate, coffee machine, please. Definitely. Um, Have you got a wedding list? Have you been to sort of John Lewis and scan shit? No, not yet, because we're hoping if we don't make one, people will just give us cash, because that would be so much better. Why don't you put that on the invites? Because you can't, you're not allowed to. No presents, all cash. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll just bite the bullet and do it, say what we really think. But, no, I think know. it's one of those occasions where presents are expected, but you don't put presents are expected. You just word it in such a fashion as if you were going to be generous to give us something, then um, we would rather cash than sort of yeah. 10 different egg cup holders. Or give us the receipts. Um, <laughs> Gift receipts, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we got two games coming up, Swansea and we got Watford, and we got a guest for both. So you won't have to listen to us for the next half hour or so. Well, yeah, you sort of do, but not really properly. Anyway, here we go. Hello. Okay, so we travelled to Swansea on Wednesday night. Um, so I'm delighted to welcome Stephen Carroll from the Swansea Swansea fanzine, and he's also one third of the Jackcast podcast. Stephen, how you doing? Not bad, thanks. How are you? 
Yeah, not bad. Um, okay, let's start with let's start with Paul Clement because obviously, um, when he first came to the club, um, I saw a few of your games um, right at the beginning of that run, um, and it looked like, if, if not sort of, uh, yeah, it, it looked as if you were going to easily pull clear of relegation. Then like, the last couple of weeks, a little bit of a reversion to to where you were back in sort of January. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's been uh, the last few weeks haven't been great to say the least. Obviously, we had that big high of beating Burnley um, in the last minute with probably our best performance of the season, to be honest. We would have won comfortably that game if it hadn't been for a ludicrous referee and a mistake that gave the opposition a penalty. But yeah, since then, it's yeah. it's not been so good, as you say, unfortunately. Um, after that, we played Holloway, lost 2-1, although our goal was a consolation in the last minute. We didn't play well there. We were really poor at Bournemouth the week after, lost 2-0. We had one shot on target, which infuriated me, to be honest, because Bournemouth, as much as they're easy on the eye and create chances, they are always um, dodgy defensively. So to not test them was immensely frustrating because, like I say, we should have uh, been able to get some joy there. And then the game with Middlesbrough on this weekend, um, a game where we have dominated the ball and we've put God knows how many balls into the box, but... I can, I can actually tell happened. you, 46 crosses um, well, towards Jordan Ayew, which was... It's just not going to work, is it's it, not, as, it's, as we saw? Well, you, you know what's funny? is I, I, um, I, was, I was at... Um, I covered your, your game against Burnley, um, and it was a wonderful thing to be there, even as, as a Spurs fan, to see the kind of the relief at the, you know, after Lorente's winner and at full time. Um, and then I remember travelling to, to Bournemouth to see that game and being quite surprised about how different everything was, because... Um, Clement seems to have simplified your way of playing in the sense of, you know, you're still a possession team and you're still quite nice to watch, but there's a little bit more urgency in, you know, in, in um, especially with, with sort of Olsen and Carroll and Narsing and, and Sigerson to get the ball into the box. Um, and like most of the rest of the country, I, I watched your game yesterday and I just thought that's fine, but sort of what's the what's the aim there when when you know if you're if you're if your target man is Jordan Ayew, I, I just um, I don't know. I, I felt like I had a handle on Paul Clement a few weeks ago, um, but then I don't know. I, I just I, I I I'm still 24 hours later baffled as to what he was trying to achieve there. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've heard anything about that or if if you sort of if he's given any kind of justification through the press. Um, I think his comments after the game were largely towards he felt the winner was coming. Well, I think he's probably the only person yes. who thought that. <laughs> that to be honest. Um, I think my gut instinct is he was scared of like losing the game, yeah. and I think maybe that's what maybe why he didn't gamble a bit more because, like I say, it wasn't working. It was fairly obvious to anybody who was watching. Um, Jordan A, he's played a couple of games now. I don't really know what he is. He reminds me of his brother in the way of like Andre Ayew. Obviously, was with Swansea last season. Yeah, he he doesn't really have a position. I don't really know where you play him. But the difference was Andre Ayew was scoring a few goals. So you just think right, we've got to find a way to get him into the team. And it was usually from the right, whereas Jordan Ayew doesn't score. So he, I don't really get it personally. I don't think he should be playing up front. He's definitely not a striker. I mean, he just doesn't really offer anything. And like I said, the tactic of crosses was just, it just didn't work. And like I said, unfortunately, um, we've ended up um, drawing a game which ideally we needed to win. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I is a funny one. I, th- I think he's probably an example of someone that benefits from having the same surname as his brother. A little bit because he's he's not half the player that his brother is, in my opinion. But I mean, he, he's serviceable. But he, he looks like the kind of player that if you're going to play him up front. He needs to play with, with like a, a Lorente 
or at least someone a little bit more physical, even a, a, a baston as um, a stranger player as he, he seems to be. Um, but what are your expectations? I mean, in terms of uh, the rest of the season, we'll get to, we'll get to a when, uh, Wednesday night in a little bit. I mean, is this still a kind of, is there still a sense that you're going to, do you still believe you're going to survive relegation? I think it's 50-50, really, from my point of view now. Obviously, we we probably need about three wins or maybe two wins and three draws, something like that. Around 37 points will probably be enough to keep us up. But where are they going to come from is the question. I mean, the, the last couple of games have made, especially the away games anyway, have made me think, well, I'm not really going to come away from home. I wouldn't have thought. Or at least maybe a couple of points might, but you can't really see us getting the win. So then you look at the home games, obviously, they're not... They're reasonable, but they're not like massively favourable. We don't have another fixture like a Middlesbrough at home, for example, that we had yesterday, and obviously we didn't win. So no. I don't know. I suppose it depends in some ways what the opposition do. I mean, Hull are obviously the team we're looking at, but they play Middlesbrough this week. Yeah, and I'd fancy them to win more than I would us. So then, obviously, if they win, then we're back into the bottom three, and that's the concerning thing, really. I mean, like I said, it is a bit of a fifty-fifty. I mean. Injury suspensions and then stuff like that could play a part, especially the fact that Lorente is obviously injured at the moment. But yeah, I'm, I'm not as confident as I was, to be honest with you. It's, uh, yeah, but the one thing I would say is you do get strange results at this time of the season. I mean, Sunderland have made a habit of it the last two or three years. They just they get to the point of where the games become must win and then somehow start winning, even though the games look very difficult on paper. So you can't really. Um, say 100%, obviously, because football is a strange game at times, but uh, I certainly think it's more towards 50-50 now, whereas after that Burnley game a month ago, I would have said it was more about 70-30 maybe that Swansea would uh, pull out of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember the feeling, actually, I was, I was sitting in the press box after that happened, and um, some random local guy just hugged me. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to finish my article, actually, and he just, just jumped on the back of me <laughs> after Lorente scored. And it certainly felt in the stadium that day that, that, that kind of you, you were certain of your place. Um, not to be too depressing, but um, say the worst-case scenario, if you go down, I mean, I, I, I know nothing can ever be quite this cut and dried, but who's ultimately to blame for that? And because you were you were such an, an upperly mobile club for the sort of first few years of your of your Premier League life, and then this sort of all the things which which made sense. Because I always I always used to think of Swansea as a very logical club, um, where decisions were made, and you know it it all seemed to be governed by a sort of a, a century a central ideology. And then maybe two or three years ago, managers started leaving, snap decisions started to be made. You've got your new ownership. Where, where, where is where? Where, where are your where are your fans pointing the blame? It's got to go right to the top in terms oh, really? of um, the chairman, uh, the ownership, all that is uh, that would be to blame. And if you look at it, then it's it's all through decisions that they've made. They made poor decisions in the transfer market last summer. We had a bad summer. Um, the likes of Joe Allen, that was a deal that should have been done, in my opinion. We yep. got it wrong. Francesco Guidlin should not have been given the job full time, and the fact that um, he had seven games, which half of them were against teams you expect to be in the top six, and they are all in there now. I mean, the bloke was never going to have much of a chance there. He should have either been given a dozen games or, in my opinion, should, shouldn't have been given the job because he wasn't the man for it. But he was more of a man than Bob Bradley ever was, who basically yeah, shocking. And that was a very strange period of time. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, I think that was an appointment by the new American owners, to be honest with you. Um, and they got it badly wrong. Um, 
thing, the thing about that, Stephen, is that like you, I mean, I can understand, I can understand the appointment, and I can understand giving someone a chance. But once you've done that, you kind of think, right, well, you've got to see it through now. I mean, you've at least got to allow him a transfer window to try and build something which fits his coaching strategy, or you don't make the appointment at all. Because as it was, it was just a kind of a waste of however long of the season, you know, his his um, his reign last. It was eight weeks or something. Yeah, they were like I said, him and Guigland was very similar. Really. Yeah. Both, neither of them were really given a great deal of time to to do a lot. I think with Bradley, the the issue I really had was he did look completely out of his depth. He was making three or four changes every week. He made eight changes for one game. Um, eight. It was different tactics. I know you can say sometimes, you know, it's good to see someone who's looking, you know, for plan A, plan B, plan C, or whatever. But when you're changing things every single week, it just turns ridiculous in the end. I think the players didn't know what they were doing and. You know, it just—it was a shambles. Um, it's amazing we're actually in this position, to be honest, with you, because I think at the halfway mark we had 12 points, and you just think, oh, well, yeah. it's done, dusted already, really, isn't it? But I think we got a bit lucky in terms of a few of the other sides were not so good, um, and of course then Claremont has come in and things have improved. But like I said, in answer to your, your main question, I mean, there's a, a catalogue of errors, and they've all been right from the top, really, and. The shareholders, unfortunately, decided to put their own financial gains above the club's needs. And uh, when you take your eye off the ball like that, uh, unfortunately, you will pay the price. And um, we may pay the ultimate price. We'll wait and see. Either way, things have to change in the summer if we do get away with it. And uh, we need a big clear out in terms of players, which should have happened last summer. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, and that's the main reason. The players are just not good enough. Yeah. I um okay. Well, what do you what do you think of Spurs? What have you made of uh, Tottenham season so far? I think it's been good on the whole. Obviously, last year was good for Spurs, and then you know they've sort of built on it this year. The only thing I would say really is the signings probably haven't been great. Um, no, I think we all agree. They, you're not going to find much opposition with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I don't know how can I put it. They aren't. They're probably reasonable squad players, but have any come in and improved the eleven? Wanyama, maybe. Other than that. You know, I, yeah. I wouldn't be convinced. I mean, I thought Sissoko in particular was a bit of a strange one. Did have a good Euros, but scored one goal last season. And it was against Swansea. I was there and it was a tap-in. I know Newcastle fans couldn't wait to get rid of him, for example. So I, I thought that was the most revealing thing. I mean, there's an awful lot of Tottenham fans who, when when that deal started moving on transfer deadline day, just were incredulous. Because, I um, I mean, I, I you presumably you're going on Wednesday night. Yeah, I'll be there. Okay, well then, a fun game for you is if um, if Musa Sissoko comes on, try and remember. You remember when you you were a boy? Like, there, there used to be that sort of um, that skills trainer where it was just a football with a, a rope which you said bind around your leg. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, watch him watching watching Musa Sissoko run the ball is like watching someone run with that tied around their ankle. I right. Okay. Just, it's it's the worst touch I think I've seen from a thirty million pound player. It's laughable. I mean, it's just as as a. Yeah. Okay. We could disappear down a rabbit hole with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll look out for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'll press you for for a prediction before uh, before I let you go. Uh. Well, Swansea's record against Spurs is the worst. I mean, we've got two draws in eleven games since we've been at this level. It's been yeah shocking. So for us, Spurs are the worst opponent, and uh, I think it'll continue. Obviously, I know there's a couple of injuries which may help us slightly, but. Uh, we're not going to score, judging by yesterday, if we stick with the same tactics. So we're already playing for a draw. We won't get it. It'll be 2-0 to Spurs. We think we'll have the bit between the teeth now that Chelsea have dropped some points. And you know, I think they'll be rubbing their hands of it, thinking got their 
favourite opposition and Chelsea have got Man City so could be another ideal chance to close up a bit Lovely, Stephen thanks very much for coming on and, and um, well you know not so much good luck on Wednesday night but obviously good luck for the rest of the season I mean uh, for anyone listening uh, Swansea's actually a lovely place to go and watch football and um, from, a, from a media perspective it's among the most friendly grounds you could ever go to um, the guy on the door actually at Liberty Stadium is notoriously the, the, the friendliest man in the entire Premier League um, but um, yeah, well, so I, I do hope you stay up and uh, yeah, good luck. I bet you do as a Spurs fan. You beat us every time. I <laughs> For reasons other than that, I hope you stay up. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen. No problem. Welcome to Rule of Roost, Rachel SG. Um, thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for thank you for agreeing to be on our uh, our top top content. Um, that we provide into the the football conversation. Um, yeah, I, I know you're you're all about the the top content and fire banter, aren't you, mate? Um, yes, yeah, a pressure now, isn't there? On Twitter, I'm trying to. That is what that is what I'm all about. Definitely, definitely. As you would, you definitely know that. Definitely. Oh, I thought yeah. it was utmost sincerity that you protrude at all times. That's why I followed you. Really, so. not forced at all. It's a little bit a little bit forced sometimes, maybe, but. I've got like over a thousand followers, so what can you say? Yeah, yeah, it's not bad, you know. I've, yeah. I've, well, I've got like seven thousand. Right? I know, so, I know, you know. <laughs> I know. Should so, have said that. So, so I'm saying, you know, you're in the presence of greatness, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, right, so Watford, you you are a Watford fan. I'm. Yes, I, I am. How uh, how's your season going so far? Um, to be honest, it was started off really well. Um. From what I can remember, it's all a bit of a blur. But um, we've had some good games, like we beat Arsenal away. It's always good. Which was really good. Yeah, I'm sure that was good for you. But yeah, no, it was really good. Didn't expect it. I didn't go because I thought we'd lose. But that was great. And then there were a few others like that, like just un- un- sort of unexpectedly winning games which we shouldn't really win. Um, and then it's recently been quite bad. Um, a lot of people wanting... The manager gone, kind of fairly, I'd say, really. But um, is that because he's foreign? Do you think, or uh, to be honest, for for a lot of Watford fans, I honestly would say yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, he doesn't speak English at all, which I think is a little bit of an issue. He doesn't apparently he doesn't speak English in um in training at all. But I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't really. I don't know if how much of an issue that is. I mean, we're doing a little bit better as of last. Saturday, so I don't know. It's a, I, 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 I think you, you seem like you're, you're doing all right. 30, 34 points. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, you're probably going to be safe, aren't you? Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, before beating Sunderland, I was a, it's, you got a bit scary then, but um, I've always kind of thought there'll be three teams worse than us, really, which I think is, is going to be the case, but. Um, we seem to be in a really good position considering how badly we have played at times. So, I don't know, we, we've done okay. But, um, yeah, I think we'll be okay for next season and then probably have a new manager next season, I would guess, again. Is there anyone and linked at the moment or anything? I haven't seen anything, no. I mean, I've heard officially, barely officially, that they won't sack him until um, they'll give him to the end of the season, which is fair, I mean... We're not doing badly. So, uh, but yeah, I imagine 
that'll be someone new, depending on when we where we finish. But I mean, yeah, he, I don't he, know. he has spent quite a lot, hasn't he? I'm just having a look now. Like you, you sort of. I think you've let's have a look. Well, I mean, you've spent about sixty mil, but you took quite a bit back in actually. Um, we got uh, quite a lot for a gala going to China, so. Yeah, I, was... you know, I didn't even know you told him either, to be honest. Um, oh, no, I mean, it was probably, I mean, it was definitely, in fact, it was definitely the right decision. He just, it was just like he was just done with really? Watford. Not from his attitude, just the way he, he just was a completely different player and he needed him to, to move on. And I think that was where he, I don't know if it's where he wanted to go. It was where we decided he was going because probably they were offering the most money. But, um, it was definitely time for him to go. It's completely fair enough, isn't it? I always think that as well. When the players do go to China, you just think, yeah, why wouldn't you? You know, because it sort of exactly. becomes that stick to beating with, doesn't it? Like they're only going for money, but obviously, so, um, as well, that is that is definitely true. But I also think he really was going just because he, I don't know, he just wanted to 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 play. Really, I mean, I think he probably realised he was done as well. I don't know what they said to him. Um, but it was it was just over, and he needed to change it up. So that's what he did, and obviously now he's getting a lot of money, which is probably quite nice for him. Yeah, can imagine it is. But out of uh, out of your team, who who sort of stood out for you most this year? Would you say playing playing wise? Um, probably Amrabat. Personally, he's been um. He's been really good, and um, he got injured. We had a lot of players injured, to be fair, and I think that was a, that also didn't help. Like we had a good five players of the first team injured, and that was just that was a big problem. And most of them are back now. He's recently back, and he is he is really good. And I remember he played. I think it was against Man City, and there were people on Twitter, Man City fans, saying. Jokingly, probably, but oh, we should sign that guy. I mean, he, he was really, really good, and he continues to be really good. Uh, also, Tom Cleverley signed him recently. He's just signed a permanent contract, apparently, and he's probably he has changed things a bit. He he's uh, he's been really good. Um, he, he's one of those players that's quite popular to sort of bash, isn't he, Tom Cleverley? But he's he, yeah, he, he's actually got ability. He does. I think he's really good, and um, he he played for us before on loan. I think it's from on loan from Man United, and he was player of the season. Uh, this was in the championship, though. But honestly, he's definitely uh, just just as good as he was then. But I mean, Watford's a smaller team than what Everton, Man United, so it's probably easier. He's playing at a lower level, kind of. But I mean, he's been so good, and he seems to be happy, um, which is quite nice. How how about our old boy uh, Herelia Gomez? Is he? Because oh. I think you you've seen sort of the the, the sublime and the silly of Herelia Gomez as as we had done many times before. So much so, like yeah. he he's so when he's good, he's so good. You can't really properly hate him, but he is still yeah. so annoying when he does does what he does. Um, yeah, see, that's it. That is it. That's the thing. He'll he'll do one. We'll do a few great saves and then he'll just do one thing and you'll just, oh God, something really uncomfortable to watch and or make a big mistake or um, he, he definitely has that in him for every good thing he does. But, that, I mean, that's probably why he, he's at Watford. We can afford to have 
mistakes made whereas you know big clubs they can't really afford to have the goalkeeper doing that kind of thing but um he's he's really likable definitely um so i don't know i like i quite like him i do think we need a better goalkeeper but no he's uh people like him his his, his his nickname at i think psv we're going from um his nickname there was the the octopus I don't know if is that, yeah. is that, is that carried on. Or I never, re- I kind of no. get it, but at the same time, I haven't heard that. I, I guess you can see because he sort of the way he moves around, and spreads himself about. I can kind of see it, but still a bit he of a weird name. Just, we, and I haven't really heard that to be honest. But I mean, he. Um, I reckon you should spread it. It'll it'll be like wildfire. You can. Do you think out of football mat, out of the out of game tomorrow just, night? I'll start shouting it. Yeah, or just whisper it. Psst. You know, at PSV, he's calling the octopus and just watch it spread through the. I don't know if I'm that much of like of an influencer, no. but maybe. Needs to get if you get a blue tick on Twitter, then maybe it will. Spread. I'd honestly, I would love. I honestly would love one as much to take the piss out of people that <laughs> sort of have them now, which seemingly is pretty much every, anyone that's ever written anything. I honestly, I'd I'd, I'd quite like one to be honest. I, you know, I I sort of claim that I wouldn't, but you know, I think it would be if I if I manage to keep if I manage to get a blue tick under my sort of pretentious moniker that I have on Twitter, then I think it would be I think that would be scenes to be honest. But it would be scenes. Yeah. I don't know. I need to. I don't know. I think I need to pitch some pitch some pieces to some menswear blogs or something. Don't I before I can. Just write, yeah. Just you need, honestly, just write something about trainers. Rate trainers, and uh, and I think you'll probably probably get one. But I actually don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure these people are applying for them, aren't they? Like, they're not being given them. Yeah. If so, you're, if you're actually famous, you get them. But yeah, which is fine. But I think it's quite uncomfortable to think about someone who's written a few articles asking Twitter for one as if they're that important and they need one. But. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's maybe more uncomfortable to apply and not get one, though, isn't it? Really? <laughs> that would be quite embarrassing. Yeah, um, but uh, Etienne Capoue as well. He's uh, he's a, like there's a, there's quite a lot of revisionism amongst Spurs fans about Etienne Capoue because he he was actually really quite decent for us at first, and then got mm. a massive injury and just never really managed to get back into the side. Um, and uh, he was sort of, you know, he was he was kind of trying to get back in the team around the time when we had all the issues with AVB, and then we had Tim Sherwood, which was, you know, a glorious time as a Tottenham fan. Um, and then it just never, you know, I, I guess he had so many ups and downs to that point. He n- never really got any momentum again. Um, yeah, but he's he's actually he's. Well, his first half of the season, he did really quite well for you, didn't he? But has it has it sort of petered off now? I'm, 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 he did. I'm not going to lie. I'm mainly basing this on the fact he's not getting many fantasy football points anymore for me. Um, yeah. But is it true? To be honest, um, so obviously at the beginning, he was really, really good. And he was scoring goals as well. Um, and he was probably one of the... Well, he's definitely one of the best players. And then, yeah, it did kind of like sort of he sort of faded out a little bit. He was still playing, um, I think, pretty much starting every game. But he just... Some games, you honestly, you could get to the end of the game and you wouldn't really have known that he was playing. Um, Saturday, again... Saturday, I'd say he was one of the best players. 
So maybe he's sort of back for the last however many games of the season, hopefully. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been on and off. Um, but uh, he's he's been generally speaking on balance for the whole season. He has been really really good. Uh, one of the better players, really. He's, he's kind of he's got that versatility, hasn't he? Where he can provide that sort of like midfield steal, if you like. But he can he can play as well, which is sort of quite quite refreshing in that type of player. Like we've got the sort of same with Wanyama and I guess Eric Dyer as well, really, in our side, which is always a good thing. Um, it's just it's just quite nice to see someone sort of running forward a bit, but. How's uh how's your man Troy Deeney doing as well? Because he's he's is he like he's like the golden boy of Watford, isn't he? Surely. He's been um I bet he'll probably be sort of player of the season. I imagine. Um, he's been generally really really good. He's solidly. He's always pretty good. I mean, he's had obviously a few bad games, but I mean the whole team's had bad games, and um. That's kind of expected. Uh, he's scored quite a few goals. I mean, we haven't scored a lot of goals, but he's scored most of them. And um, he's just a really likable, really, really likable guy. Um, I I love him. Like, honestly, everyone everyone loves him. And um, he's, he, he's, he's good. He's a really good footballer. And there was a big sort of Twitter... Watford, Watford Twitter called for him to be in the England squad, which I think was a little, little bit sort of adventurous. But um, he, it's kind of mad that we're at a point that we are talking about a Watford player plausibly being in an England team because um, that is honestly only about four years ago or something that would be completely unthinkable. So it's kind of kind of crazy um, but yeah no I love him everyone he, loves him and he's he, been good he is responsible for one of the greatest of all time football moments as yes well, that which... was amazing I mean it was the best thing honestly I would say one of the best things I've ever seen just generally not not in football just generally it was I still watch it that was years ago I mean, years e- ago. E- even as a neutral like it's up there with like you know you're Aguero at City and all that yeah. kind of those sort of top moments that you can just appreciate even as a neutral and how amazing it was. I liked it, didn't he? I think a few years ago on Football Focus, he he sort of deconstructed the goal with Rio Ferdinand watching it. And uh, the bit when he when he jumps into the crowd and he takes his shirt off, he's all like, state of that, mate. Look at the gut. Oh, yeah, Look I've at, seen yeah. that. I've seen yeah, that. Seen. To be honest, he's, he's sort of a lot tighter or something whatever the word is now um he 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 didn't look that um he didn't look that much like a footballer when he took a shelf on that day but um i just like how he, how he had that sort of self-depreciation to kind of take the piss out of himself as that's well, what he's like though he's just a really likable guy and even just in like post-match interviews the way he he talks about the way it's gone and he's, he's very honest as opposed to like you know general footballers and in interviews will say the most all the cliches and but he doesn't really do that i mean and it's quite nice that he's like that good lad good good value down the pub probably i think he would be except he says he doesn't drink anymore oh, apart yeah. from when he was oh, drinking yeah. at the darts and he that beat was a someone up didn't he like a few years ago that's what, wasn't that in some sort of yeah i mean he did quite a, he uh 
he did beat someone up quite badly and went to prison for oh, it. Jesus, did it? Which, I think I, I think I knew that, but oh, he, he uh, that was that wasn't even that long ago. But honestly, since then he has. That sounds like a massive cliche, but he really has like completely changed his life around. He really is. Oh, he could easily, he's a role model really for kids. I mean, I don't know, Watford could have easily um, terminated his contract, but didn't. And what a very good thing that he didn't do that. And he's recently set up a charity to to help um, children with learning difficulties. I don't actually know exactly what it is. He just started it. But I mean, so that, that shows you like, what he's really like as a person. And what he did on that night wasn't who he is now anyway. Good, good lad. Good, lad. good guy. Um, so moving on to moving on to the game. Um, I mean, yeah. you've still got you've still got plenty to play for. Um, I mean, yes. it's not one of those kind of match. I mean, to be fair, it's a sort of North London ish. I mean, you're kind of, Watford is kind of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You can kind of count that as a bit North yeah. London-ish. Ish. Yeah. Ish. So, um, but there's a, there's a, there's a certain, there's at least there's a, there's a feel of it being a, a regional derby of sorts. Um, yeah. Um, I mean... I'd I'd hope we'd win, given it is at <laughs> White Hart Lane, um, and obviously being a Tottenham fan. But I mean, do do you do you think it's a, you know do you think you can spring a surprise on us? Because like as you said, you know you've 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 done Arsenal this year already, um, and I mean if we've kind of got our sights set on chasing Chelsea, as we've seen, Spurs have that in them to always you know, shoot themselves in the foot and that's... Yeah. Um, no, definitely not, basically. I think <laughs> I, on, it's just one of those at the beginning. It's actually, it's one of those where I just really, just pretty much write it off. Um, same with like Chelsea and, and pretty much the big teams. It's just, I expect absolutely nothing. I mean, expect to be beaten. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost by... Well, two, three goals easily. Um, we there is no way we'll win that game. There's no way we'll draw that game. Um, but and um, it, I think it will be. <sighs> Thing is, you just, oh, I just don't know what we'll, how we'll play. You can never tell. You can never tell what what will be like against Sunderland. We were good-ish, but that was against Sunderland. Um, 
I wouldn't worry about not getting three points on Saturday because you definitely will. <laughs> how, how, how do you think you like? I mean, how do you normally approach these games? Is it quite defensive or do you still try to play a bit? Or Well, up until really recently, a big criticism of the way we were playing was that the players really seemed to have no idea what they were doing, as, it, as in, like, what did they do in training? Really, it seemed there was no game plan whatsoever. Um, I don't know whether that's really changed. We've only seen one game since that period where it's been improved. Um, so I think we'll try. We will try and score. Um, last time we did that, I think we lose four one or something. <laughs> so I think we'll try. I don't think we'll defend the whole game, but um, I don't know. I. I, I we would we will we will hundred percent lose that game, but I think we will try and play and maybe try and possibly try, try and draw at least try and score a goal. Um, it's always good to, to to at least score a goal. It's just quite depressing to go all the way to another ground and not even see a goal. But I mean, I think that everyone going will be going knowing really knowing we'll lose, so there will be very low expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have absolutely no chance whatsoever. So you're you're you're, you're sticking with that as a prediction and like three three nil. I'm that? gonna say yeah, and I'm gonna say three nil. Yeah, three nil. So right. yeah, so okay. I hope you uh, enjoy those three points because uh, yeah, definitely. Well, if it if it means you know our fairy tale stays alive and we uh, topple Chelsea, then. You know, you yeah, can... I'd love that to happen. To be honest, I'd actually Good. be very happy to aid your um, catching up with Chelsea. I hope that does. Genuinely, I hope that happens. You, you might get shamed on Twitter for that. Like, you know, when you have the people that say that, can you imagine wanting your team to lose? You, you could. Yeah, I know. Um, that that is true. But um, well, no, my ideal, the ideal scenario would be that we win. But as that's just out of the question, I I, I hope that you, you win something. I don't that's know. It. Nicely recovered. Nicely recovered. <laughs> oh, that was worse. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Rachel. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. You too. Right, we're back. I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed our our double header of guests. Um, they're very good. I felt. Um, so, Raj, yes, you got to be you got to be open for six points from these two fixtures, right? You'd hope so, yeah. I mean, Swansea with, um I think we've got a, like one of the best records against Swansea since their arrival into the Premier League than anyone else. So it's probably about time we got beaten by them. <laughs> but yeah, um, no. it's just one of those where you've got to impose yourself on them and and, and do well. The, the interesting thing with Swansea, actually, one thing that I've noticed um, with them more than anything else, perhaps because you try and keep a lookout for players that you know more than other ones is how well Tom Carroll's played since he's arrived there. He's, he um, I think because sort of he's a bit part player at a big team at, at Spurs, his demeanour is fitting of such a role. Like he, he sort of did as he was told and yeah. um, he was just, you know, because he was a fan of the club and he came up through the academy, there was almost, you know, um, being a primary school kid, sort of that behaviour you have in primary school. Um, but because he's gone to 
carry on the analogy he's gone to a high school where nobody ignores him he sort of reinvented himself and the Swansea players actively look to give him the ball and he's taken a, a far more um you know a leadership role in their team he's uh, constantly telling other people what to do he you know the way he runs with the ball and the way he sort of marshals where he wants attacking players to make runs and things is you know unrecognisable from the player that was at Spurs. It's it's far more reminiscent of the way Harry Winks has stepped into the first team straight from the academy than, you know, the the wallflower that we all thought Tom Carroll was. I mean, he's still weak, he's still deficiencies in his game, but he's he's found a level and a team where he can slot in and not just slot in and be a good player, but be one of their better players. And Swan's yeah. is a, a fashionable sort of club where you know, a year or two down the line or even this summer if he continues to play this well and he saves him some relegation, which he appears to be doing and appears to be, you know, one of the major factors in doing. You can't see, you know, a team, a bigger team, sort of maybe a West Ham or an Everton of the world and on occasion even Liverpool look at that sort of a player. You can see him taking another step up via taking a step down. I think that's a a really interesting career progression and sort of it makes you re-evaluate your perception of players that come up through our academy Um, because when you see him through a different lens and in a different team, you realise that, shit, this is a good player. He's just not Tottenham standard, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to go to Swansea and be their best midfielder. It's funny, isn't it? Because we are in that, you know, we talk about it in the past in reference to players like Sissoko, you know, having to spend that 30 mil, is he that good, so on and so forth. And again, with a player like, you know, we've spoken about it with Chadley before. Um, Sissoko would have probably been one of the best five players on a Martin Yole Tottenham team. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, Tom Carroll, I think th- there was that probably that added element in in terms of the mental aspect where I think he always felt that that burden playing for Spurs of you know, probably seeing a lot of his pals come up, Harry Kane, so on and so forth, and feeling that the weight of expectation was on him to to perform. And every time he did get a, a chance to play for us, you know, he... he not saying he sort of bottled it, but I think that 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 expectation, that knowing that he had to perform when he was given the chance, probably did weigh him down. And like you say, he it was always a sidekick, wasn't he? Yeah, he's got that new lease of life at Swansea because he does. He looks he looks brilliant there, and he he did. You know, he showed glimpses of it at Spurs. I think you know all all three of us, like me, yourself, and Seb, have all said in the past that. His range of passing, his vision, the way he reads the game is very, very good. But, you know, it's just he, he doesn't quite have that extra bit that makes him of the quality for Spurs. And I think it, it's part of it, as you touched on there again as well, is it's that perception that we've got as fans now of what Tottenham are as a club. And if, if just look at the league table. Look at what we're achieving this season. Look at our goal difference, you know. We're... we're we're a very different proposition now. And the the sort of players that, you know, are going to make the grade for a team that's punching at the level that we're at now are, you know, unfortunately for Tom Carroll, a lot, a, a lot better than he is. But, you know, probably, probably, you know, during the, during the sort of like the, the heady days of the 90s when we had, you know, all sorts of muck turning out for us. Someone like Tom Carroll would have been, if he came at that point, would have been... Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Immense, but such is life. Um, 
but yeah, good good luck to him. Let's just hope he has a shit game against us again. The little squirrel face bottle job. <laughs> um, and then we got uh, we got Watford after that, who have got a, you know bit of a bit of a poundland Tottenham. Um, Gomez is still being Herelia Gomez there. Um, yeah, it would seem he's uh, from the from the sublime to the absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think their fans absolutely love him as well, which is one of those constant themes of Gomez. Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 he does just seem like a really likeable man, doesn't he? He's just nice, I think. <laughs> so for when he's dropping a ball into his own fucking net and, you know. Yeah. Still one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a football field is that away game at Stoke, one of Juan de Ramos's last games where... He sat crying on the field and clutching his balls like he was giving oh, birth. It was horrible, wasn't it? And then about 10 minutes later, I think he almost killed Vedran Choluka um, because that was back when Rory Delap was flinging in crosses from his own half by doing throw-ins. And uh, he, he, his decision was to go rip shit riot and try and punch every single one of them, even if that meant through the jaw of his own defender. Forgot about that. That's fucking horrible, isn't it? I think that was one of the few Premier League games I've ever seen go into a hundred odd minutes regular time because um, he punched his own man and it took fifteen minutes to get him off the field. Um, yeah, I, I, what I will always give Harry uh, Gomez is that performance in the in the North London derby. Oh yeah, he made some uh, ridiculous. The Rose guy, it was obscene. There was a Van Persie twice, Sol Campbell header. Mm. Um, yeah. Anybody else in goal, we don't win that game. No, I think there was, wasn't there? I think it was a Van Persie free kick, wasn't it? When he just made that impossible save when free kick was, it was so perfectly placed into the into the top corner and he still managed to get there. He did it a few um, times. I think there was a nil-nil at home against Man United when Ryan Giggs hit a free kick towards the top corner and he somehow got across and saved that and that was like last kick at game. And we would have lost had, you know, that gone in. So he, he was, you know, I think he probably won as many points as he lost. You think you'd probably come out, um, you know, even at the end of it perhaps. Um, but he was, you know, it's just that, the, the the worry that he gave not only the supporters but the defenders playing in front of him was just too much at some points and we went from one extreme to other getting Uncle Brad in after that and just you know the safest pair of hands possible no risk whatsoever glued to his line oh father time yeah um, but has he he still holds the ridiculous record for the most clean sheets for a keeper at Spurs doesn't he I think Brad Friedel for for his first season with us when he was still passable um does he yeah i think it, i think it's i think it is true the one um, thing i i think i have a somewhat soured uh memory of brad friedel even though he was good because there was towards the end of his career when he was keeping larice on the bench because he had that consecutive appearances run that avb had, had in the back of his mind that he didn't want to upset him over because you know he'd gone about upsetting people at chelsea and um, that didn't end too well for him. So he, he tried to keep Brad Friedel on side um, and ultimately cost us a shitload of points because he, he wouldn't come off his line and we played a high line and we kept on getting fucked by it. I mean, there was that cup game against Leeds away that I remember because both of their goals were avoidable had Lloris played because essentially Friedel just stood there and invited him to kick it in a corner because he, he wouldn't move. 
I think that's the thing I, I love about Pochettino. There's that ruthless streak to him, isn't he? Where he'd just be like, no, don't give a fuck. You're not in goal anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so six points for Tottenham. We're going to catch Chelsea and we're going to win the league. Let's see what we've got in terms of questions from our war crime of an audience. Uh, we just try to upset everyone we can. I think so. Oh, they're, they're all abysmal. We've only got about five listeners nowadays, anyway. To be honest, it's how we like it, though. Um, so, we have had... Da, da, da. Debaser. At Debaser92 asks us, Ross Barkley... Or Wilfred Zaha. What? Who do you want to buy, or who's a better player, or? I guess. Well, yeah. If you want, if you want to sign one of them, that's what I take that as. I'd take uh, Zaha over Barkley because I just think it's an area we need more. But um, it's it's weird because you know you'd imagine if that is the type of player we want, then why isn't Pochettino giving more of an option to Nikudu, and why isn't he trying more with him and? You know, he he just seems to be have fallen into oblivion like Unji did before him and there were them reports that it was Levy who signed him and Pochettino didn't know anything about him. It's really strange because we keep on being linked to the exact same type of player that he is, but we don't want to play him. And it's not as if he's been horrific or anything. There's been the odd occasion where he has looked good and sort of impressed in, in part. Um but there just doesn't seem to be the trust there from Pochettino. I, I don't know whether or not he sort of has to haze his players before he, he gives them the rope to to sort of hang themselves with. But it's it's really it's it's a very strange situation. I mean, you'd imagine he goes. Is he on loan? Is there an option to buy or something? Because and G's at Marseille, and I don't think he's coming back. It's just that's one of the strangest transfers we've had in some time. Yeah, it's almost. I, it's, it's, I don't really get it either. If I didn't I'm, know any better, because I've heard it's sort of a deal between presidents. There's some hidden money in there somewhere for something. Yeah. What's that? What's going on? Is Marcus Edwards still injured, or is you know? That's I just I just think I mean. it's come to that point of the season now where. It's crunch time, and in everything we've got, so maybe he he has an an idea, sorry, in mind of who he can trust in those moments, mm. and he will play every single one of those players and Musa Sissoko because he has to. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that. Um, we've had one from Connor Mummery at Connor Mummery. Um, Mummery sounds like a place where you would raise mums. I was going to say, why not Connor Daddery? What's wrong with a Daddery, mate? All right, yeah. David Moyes, calm down. Yeah. Don't um, give him a slap. <laughs> what a weird man. What an old Connor. Man. That's a sackable offence, I'm sorry. That's bizarre. He, bizarre. You know, if that was a male reporter in that place, he wouldn't have dared say what he did. I don't, don't care that he was laughing or whatever. It's just a, a horrible old man thing to do. Um, it's not as if Sunderland... Uh, sort of desperate for him to carry on the fucking fantastic job he's been doing just stick him out to pasture now make him into fucking glue probably plays into their hands to be do you remember all them years that idiots wanted him to take over at Spurs I never understood that I want David Moyes in go fuck yourself Jesus mate it did spawn one of the one of the chants that always gets stuck in my head before it got turned into the come on Johnson. come on make some noise we don't want David Moyes (laughs) yeah he's a boring gun yeah yeah I did like that 
as uh, it was awful. There was that season where it could have been AVB or David Moyes, and there were people who genuinely wanted David Moyes. It's like mm. Mate, he's still got people who want Tony Pulis over fucking Pochettino. Pochettino. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's there's a genuine movement that wants Pochettino sacked and Tony Pulis in. So you know, never never underestimate anyone. Or overestimate anyone, I should say, in that context, probably. But anyway, Connor, no gender specified or People who want um, a David Myers in the type of people who watch Mrs. Brown's Boys. <laughs> um, if you did like one, what are they called? Them, them circle graphs. Venn's. Venn diagram, yeah. If you did a Venn diagram, I swear, David Myers fans, Mrs. Brown Boys viewers, they're in the middle. The, the favourite films, Transformers. They're like superhero films. Likelihood of turning pants inside out in order to save on washing yeah. would be high up on that as well, I reckon. Yeah, it's fucking weird. I don't like them. No, I don't like them. Um, who of the current squad would you least like to share a bed with? Who of the current squad would I least like to share a bed with? Um, I don't know. Um, who, who do you think has the worst personal hygiene of anyone in the squad? It'd be someone like Carl Walker, I think. I'm not such a yeah, mate. But I reckon I reckon Eric Dyer does horrible farts. He has that look of a lad that would sort of like you turn over to look at him because you'd hear him giggling yeah. and he'd be just smiling at you and you'd be like, "What, what are you smiling at?" And then it would hit you a couple of seconds later. That sounds like something then, you've done, Charlotte. Yeah, mate. Come on, standard. Straight out the straight out the playbook. That one. But, uh, Poor woman yeah, has to marry you. She's lucky. She's lucky. That's what I tell myself. Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, probably isn't it. Um, I don't I know. Even, yeah, I don't know. It's which whichever one I think would smell the most. I think would is is part of my answer. Whoever sort yeah. of Harry Winks is still at the age where he probably wets the bed. He looks like a bedwetter, so maybe. Oh <laughs> no! Actually, I reckon I reckon Kieran Trippy looks a bit smelly. Yeah, Kieran Trippier still listens to Baseline as well. So, and, uh, I, bet, I bet Kieran Trippier has skid marks in his pants, like gold dust all over him. He just looks as if, like, I can picture Kieran Trippier with a sovereign ring and a Citroen Saxo <laughs> doing, you know, 60 in a 40 zone, busting out Danny Bond or something like that, yeah. With a, with a 17-year-old girlfriend. Yeah, on LMB. <laughs> Yeah, picking up picking them up from school. I can't remember which. There were a girl I went to school with who a Leeds United player used to come and pick her up for a school from, and he. I think he was on loan from Arsenal. It might have been Sanchez. What I'm not sure. Maybe it wasn't him, but there was definitely a from that area of Leeds United um, around sort of 2008 2009. There was a, a Leeds United player who used to come pick up girls from my school, which is uh, very strange. So one of my one of my best mates. He. Uh... One of the the girls he was sort of madly in love with and chasing in his first year of university, he sort of give us updates, you know, be like, oh, you know, she she looked at me or she replied to something I said this way the other day. What do you reckon it means? And we'd all be, and obviously, it's one of those things that you know yourself. You're like, she's not interested in you, mate, but you say as a mate, oh, yeah, it might be, you know, it might be good. And then he got all sad and dejected one day because uh, she was in a uh, Casual relationship, shall we say, with uh, Jermaine Genus. Um, Go on, Jermaine. Yeah, so when he reported that one back to us, we were Wasn't like, he on the podcast? Probably time to let that. Yeah, he, yeah, he was actually. Yeah. Fred. I remember that. 
Um, so, Jermaine Jennings is a handsome man. Yeah, he is kind of, he's kind. He, I think he's a decent pundit as well. To be honest, yeah, mate. he's all right. Yeah, I think because he's because he came out of the game and went into pundits so quickly. There's a there's sort of a, a connection with the sport as it is that perhaps the older Reds don't have. Pochettino would have made him a decent player, man. Honestly, if it had come a few years, a few years earlier, he would have been. It just depends if he could have kept fitting it. Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know. I was. I always felt like he was. There was a, something uh, there. There was definitely something there. He was. He was scapegoated quite a lot. I always felt genius, but you know, it's one for. I can't really remember him that well. To be fair, even though I probably should. Um. Anyway, speaking of, uh, you know, divisive midfielders, YB at YBear underscore asks us. How do you think Sissoko managed to convince the world that he's a professional footballer? Oh, he had um, a couple of good games. Has he has he done anything good for Spurs yet? Um, like actually, I think he has. set up a goal, um, a winner somewhere. Uh, I can't remember. Was it Danny Rose's winner against Burnley in the home game? I think he he burst. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, he's like I say, he's very good at running very quick into wide open spaces. But other than that, I'm not entirely sure what he does. It, um, it is weird, isn't it? Thinking that he's our record signing and he is as you kind of like. I don't, I don't even feel a shred of maybe this will be the game type thing. You like with Janssen, even though I'm, I'm not that convinced by Janssen, I still kind of get that just that little fleck of hope that you know. He's still young. There's still plenty of time for him to, you know, kick on. He's learning a new league. He's settling a new country. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, maybe he, maybe this is the game he comes on and does something. But with Sissoko, I just it's more that kind of, you know, in 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 the office when the when the the woman shows up for the date with David Brent and he just turns to the camera and gives it that. Oh fuck's sake! It's kind of how I feel every time Sissoko comes on the pitch. Really, it's um. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. He's, uh, we'll, we'll end up selling him somewhere for sort of fifteen to eighteen million into Milan or somewhere. Or buy him one of the Turkish clubs. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll throw some money at him. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm not sure where where or how he's ever been a footballer. This is bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. Um, it's just his attitude that's the problem. He's got the every attribute possible to need to be a, a good player, and sort of the effort is missing so often um, that you know it, it comes to a point where if you play for Newcastle United, there there is the availability to pick and choose when you're going to play because you can become their best player by just giving it 10% more effort. But when you're at a club like Tottenham, if you're not on it 100% of the time, then you're going to get left behind. And he was left yep. behind before he even signed his fucking contract with us. Yep. Right, let's fuck the football now. Um, We've not got any more questions? N- no good ones, mate. No good ones. <laughs> up, up the quality next week, listeners, please. Come on. Um, get out. Let's, let's just do it, mate. Get out. Uh, yeah, I texted you about it after I turned it and I said we need to do an entire podcast and get out now, is it? Um, but yeah, I, I adored it as I think um, I was set up to, uh, really. It was just, um, it was everything I wanted it to be in because I'd, I'd sort of, I'd stopped watching trailers for it. I'd not read any pieces about it. I didn't know 
um, sort of what would happen away from the initial trailers and sort of the premise of it. So, you know, the the, the lines and the way that things unfolded were just, you know, so cleverly done and, and so perfect and pitched perfectly that I, uh, I, I adored it. It's, uh, I just think, I don't, I don't know. I just think straight away he's put himself up there with the likes of like Ira Levin, um, Giorgio Romero, as I said, just being able to provide something that works on so many different levels. It has that kind of, it has that scathing kind of societal context to it, uh, which, you know, you, you, you don't need to work that hard to really understand what it's about and you shouldn't have to really, you know. But if you if you do want to just be completely ignorant to that side of it, it works very well just as a film, as a thriller, as a you know if you, if you don't want to challenge yourself to think about any of the themes or you know set pieces that are in motion there, the film works fantastically as a horror stroke thriller mm. with a comedic twist. I, I don't know. I just thought it was. What was it like thematically for you brilliant. watching it, sort of as a white man? Were you sort of were you nervous watching it, sort of looking if you're allowed to laugh at certain things, or were you sort of was there white guilt or whatever um, in there for you? How was your experience of it? Because the one thing I noticed as I was walking out of the cinema, because I went to I went to go watch it with my auntie, I took her to watch it, and sort of as we watched walked out, there was only sort of twenty people, I think maybe generously in our showing because it was the last one at night and it, it's only Uddersfield, so it's not as if there's that many people going to the cinema on a weeknight. Um, and sort of is evenly split between people of colour and white people. And um, sort of <laughs> the white people were walked out fairly sheepishly, whereas the people of colour had sort of broad grins on their face over watch they just watched. So uh, it's almost as if on, on racial lines, there's, there's two different experiences of the films. I was just wondering whether or not that was something you found or not. No, I, I don't know so much, mate. I don't know if it's a case of, growing up in London, which is so diverse that it doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't feel like something I'd be awkward about watching, if you know what I mean, Yeah. Um, in that respect. But I think there's probably, uh, I guess there's probably times when you watch that and you think there are, there are certain things that you do as a white person sometimes when you really want to let somebody know you like you, you know I'm 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 really I'm not a racist like I just just want you to know yeah. that like you know I am liberal and I'm I'm really I'm really not racist and you kind of realize I would have voted for Obama a third time he, he kind of shit yeah I mean not so much like I think that the dad kind of like he, he sort of pushes it a bit that father character but just that sort of like soft type of racism I guess where you you probably draw a line to that and you I kind of look back and think yeah I've, I've probably been guilty of doing that sort of thing myself in the past but um I think it, I think w- 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 the one thing that I um that that did stand out for me not so much for me in terms of I feel like it's something I'm guilty of but I feel that you know I I see in my day-to-day life like it just in my in my office and when I speak to like other sort of like you know Less less woke than myself, shall I say, white folk. Um, the the whole kind of like concept of microaggressions, and I know that whole kind of thing. You know, people take the piss out of that quite a lot, and you know, maybe maybe rightly so in some respects. But I, I, it's not to say that microaggressions aren't an actual thing. And I think that's 
that's done quite well in these film in in the film. Um, I'm trying to think of like there's a really really good example of it. Um, when one of the guys like when when he's actually at the yeah when he's when he's at the the sort of barbecue yeah. thing when all the different people are talking to him and one of the one of the parents couple's friends he says something to him about like sport or something i can't remember what it is or just being more physically capable of doing this yeah he's on about tiger woods yeah 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 that's it yeah 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 he's talking about tiger woods and i I don't know just when i i i i think that like maybe things like that like some people would probably watch that and be like oh shit yeah you know maybe like microaggressions are kind of a thing when you see it through this lens yeah um I don't, I just I just thought it was a fantastic film though. I, I think the the bit that sort of really struck me was the whole um the other place thing and the the whole kind of the, the I don't know, I don't really want to go into it too much because of spoilers and stuff, but that whole concept of the other place. Oh, it's been place out for and, like a month now, isn't it? Like three weeks at least, so people should have seen it. If they haven't seen it at this point then they're probably not gonna hmm. I think yeah, the only I I guess the only the only Point of contention we had was when I said to you that I, I felt that sometimes that the 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 mate character yeah. um, came across as a bit of a trope, a bit of a you know, a bit of easy kind of comic relief at times. Yeah. At least that's how it how it sort of struck me when I watched it. That yeah. I, I don't know. I almost felt like it because you know, I almost felt like it at times, just at least from my perspective, it kind of it it, it took away from like the the subtlety of the 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 material and the way the subject was being handled and kind of took it into a into another place where it I don't know yeah I, I, for me not I like think it, it took anything think away it, from it but I think it gave it some it kept its feet on the ground for me the way I described that the character of is, is it Rod I think so yeah yeah um, the way I described I it remember if it is Rod or Ron <laughs> Ron yeah I kept on thinking Ron but I think that's just because I've got an uncle called Ron. Um, is that I think he was the the voice of the the mm. sort of the black audience is how I described him because sort of the way he um, pointedly was one of the only characters to use the N word and um, sort of the way he was openly against the idea of going to a parent's house from the very beginning and he said the obvious thing which was the thing that <laughs> came to mind was almost if you know how in Shakespearean plays you'd have sort of some a character who's the voice of the underlings who would say the things that the the audience wanted to say and there was a connection there and he knew sort of audience participation was encouraged and there was always that sort of a thing that's the comparison I would make because sort of and the fact that, you know, he went into the police station and they all laughed at him um, was funny, obviously. But it's the, 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 the thing about the film, the, the one bit of it that sort of hit me the hardest and the, the, the misdirect that I bought the most and fell for was right at the very end when uh, this is the biggest spoiler of the film. So if you if you do have intention of seeing it and don't want it spoiled, then I'll you know, flip forward. Is right at the very end when the police car comes. Um, and my heart sank because I thought, oh, we've met this police officer before and the fact that sort of the character's first um, in, reaction is to put his hands up in the air when he's the one who's been attacked and he sees the police car, he hears the sirens and 
I thought the final twist of it, because knowing that it was a, a racial satire, was going to be that she survived and he got killed. Was sort of my brain did that maths in about a yeah, split yeah, second, yeah. and the fact that it was his friend that got out of the car and like there was a part of me that was like, oh, thank fuck for that. Like if he'd have died after all of that, then you know I'd have been gutted. But I think that was such a clever and underplayed and just perfectly pitched moment of filmmaking. I think that's I think that's a moment that will have gone over so many people's heads as well. I don't think there would have been a moment that, you know, uh, the way I described it is that, that that's a, a fear and a concern that I think is is hardwired rather than learned. This, You know, I, I described it as you. I remember when I was younger and we'd go into shops and um, because, you know, my parents had me young and my dad was a, a young black man um, when we went around together when I was a kid, um, they would often do metal detectors would go off and the shoppers would walk in and out um, and it didn't happen once or twice it was clearly sort of security guards wanting to double check that my dad hadn't swiped anything um, and he'd always turn to me and sort of laugh it off and explain it as a black man alert and it was one of those things that he would do as a joke but sort of as I'd become earlier I'd realised it's him just sort of making sure I was aware that these sort of things happen um, and it's just one of those facts of life sadly of, of you know growing up in the world we do um and that you know and the fact that he can do you know one closing scene and it's literally a 10 second shot best of the car driving up towards him and the fact that you can have all those emotions spring up in that short amount of time and it's such evocative and you can have that real sigh as you see his friend get out of the car, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And it's one of those films I'd love to watch again as soon as possible, just because I'm sure there's loads of um, imagery and things that I've I've missed from it and, and stuff. Um, sort of even from the, the piece I've read um, sort of coming out, the fact that, you know, he the, the thing that saves him at the end is the fact that he's literally picking cotton out of his ears. And, yeah. and all that sort of thing. It's you know that's there's lots of good Easter eggs, aren't there? Like that in, littered throughout the film. Yeah, but. I think Alison Williams, by the way, was absolutely fantastic in it because there was to a point where I I had almost bought the fact that I thought she was going to be on his side. I almost thought that maybe she was out of the loop, and I'd only started to twig when she she suggested they go on a walk. I thought I said, oh, if she's taking him away, she's sort of luring him somewhere. Um, that I had that sort of a thing, and especially when they started doing the the bidding, um, I was like, oh, she's clearly aware that they were going to do bidding. If if bingo is a is a sort of a, um, a euphemism for what they were actually going to be partaking in, and there's no way they would have wanted him on the premises for that. Um, so yeah, and especially with the, the box reveal as well under a thing was was both at once funny and sort of deeply concerning. But I thought she was really good. I think I don't think there was anyone bad in it. Um Lakeith Stanfield, who plays um the guy who opens the film and sort of turns into the the character, you know, the, the guy from Brooklyn who um mm. sort of he's fantastic in everything he's in. Uh he was he played um somebody in, I can't remember which character he played now, but he was in the NWA film, but he's also a big part of Atlanta, um, the Donald Glover series, and I've enjoyed everything he's been in. So I think he's a, a big star of the future. Heard it here first. And Thanks. not really, mate. I think everyone's been saying it. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, he's really good, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, he just seems to pick his projects really cleverly. 
Um, he's been in something else as well that I can't can't remember what it was, but he, he's yeah. It, essentially, it's a, it's one of those those actors now where sort of him being in something is almost a seal of approval of maybe this script is good because he doesn't appear to act in something that isn't good, um, which I think is probably a good career trope for for actors to have. Yeah. Have you That's... ever have you ever had the opposite experience? Have you ever had a, a partner of colour? Have you ever had to go to their house? No, no, haven't actually, mate. No, I'm a massive racist. No, no, no I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not, saying, <laughs> no, no, I'm no, not no. saying every white man should at one point find a woman of colour to betroth for the experience. But I was just, I was intrigued if there, if there was a, a sequel of Get Out, could you flip that and do it from the opposite end? Because there is a story um, in our family of uh, my granddad, my auntie Cheryl, the first boyfriend she took home. Um, he answered the door with like he was a chef, so he answered the door with either a, a cricket bat or a knife, depending on whatever story he tells. And uh, they were never to see that boyfriend again. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's one of those things we joke about with my little sister as well, me and my dad, is that we'll we'll sit in the front room of whatever boy she brings home first, with sort of a weapon of choice laid across our legs, and just sort of try and intimidate him as much as possible. Um, but it's it's obviously only a joke. We're not. Not being serious, but it's uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Um, should, should we kill it with fire there, mate? Do you reckon? Uh, yeah, somebody's just tweeted us actually and said, "Have I never seen the wire?" And I still haven't. I've got the DVDs, and I've still not had the time to see through it. The actual question reads: Has Alan? Has no? Wait a second. Has Raj not seen The Wire as influential as Annie Hall has been for the intelligent rom-com genre, genre even not genre? Um, no, I, st- I still need to see it. I still need to see The Sopranos, which I've got the DVDs of. I'm well aware of ended it on a she, yeah. well, which is one of the characters' uh, is touch catchphrases. Yeah, no, I really do want to see it. Um, cause I've seen, is it Michael K. Williams that's in it as well? Um, I've seen it since that real life. And I really like the guy who made The Wire and made a short um, HBO series uh, last year with um, the guy, I can only remember his Star Wars character name, uh, Poe Dameron, what's his name? The actual guy, Oscar Isaac. Oscar oh, Isaac. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, was in it. It, was on about, it was on about housing. Um, but it's only like four or five episodes long. It was a real slow burner. It's actually quite a difficult watch but it was really good it was um show me a hero that's what it was called it was based on like a book or something but it was absolutely fantastic um it was what's his name david simon um who's the wire guy he wrote it i think so yeah yeah it's it's really good i think it's sort of four or five episodes but it's sort of it's heavy going it's one of those where i i i couldn't sort of binge watch it because i felt tired after every episode because it was a lot of heavy lifting to do sort of mentally and story wise even though not a lot happened it was sort of a lot to take in um but yeah it was really good it had like um winona rider was in it and alfred molina and um the guy from Walking Dead, John Bernthal or something like that. Which one's that? The guy who played the Punisher, I think, or is going to play the Punisher. Oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I quite like him, actually. But yeah, no, I've, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good watch. And that, that made me want to watch The Wire more. But there's just so much, 
so much shit to take in that it's hard to catch up. Have you watched Better Call Saul yet? Did you watch that? Not yet, no. The, the, no. I genuinely the series the, starting next week. The series that I'm binge watching at the moment, as I keep saying, is Gilmore Girls because I watch it <laughs> with, with my mum, and uh, it's sort of it's genuinely good. I really enjoyed it. Somebody tweeted me and said that they were enjoying it as well. Yeah, no, I've heard plenty, plenty, plenty of people say it. It's Trust me, if you start watching that with Charlotte, you'll get so many brownie points. <laughs> and I know you grew up in a house as much as I did that was, you know, a matriarch and sort of uh-huh. full of women and you will get the uh, sort of, it'll, you'll enjoy it as much as she will, if not more. Because I know how in touch with your feminine side you are as much as I am. So, um, yeah, get involved. Mate, come on, don't, don't show me up in front of all the lads. <laughs> thinks everyone thinks I'm well hard on here. Yeah. You know, Um I think because I'm from the north and I've got this accent, people seem to think I've got some sort of uh, hyper-masculine uh, air about me. But as you well know, uh, rom-coms and watching New Girl is sort of the, the backbone of my cultural life. Um, so it's it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, you laughed at me. What was it I tweeted about once and you said, why are you letting the mask slip? I, I think it was. it was just about rom-coms or something. I think you were, you were on a, on a tweet thread about rom-coms, weren't you, or something? I can't like, remember. Just said, what's going on, mate? Like, yeah. The mask has slipped in public. No, I can't remember what it was. But, uh, it, uh, no, it's just one of those things. I think a well-rounded individual as I am. Yeah. Be true to yourself, mate. Be true to yourself. That's a, that's a good note to end it on, I think. The truth will set you free. Um, Isn't that a yeah. Nazi phrase? Yeah, I think it is actually, isn't it? I take that back. Um, oh no, that's work. Geez, or I, I actually was. Yeah, fuck's sake! If I have, if I've just quoted fucking Adolf Hitler or something at the end of a podcast. No, I think it's twat. a. No, I think it's a Bible verse. Work will set you free, isn't that our bank, Matt Fry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you didn't say that, then you're all right. No. Um, Anyway, let's let's actually segue <laughs> away from this one. If you want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule the Roost podcast, you can do so on iTunes or Acast. You can tweet us at rtr underscore pod. You can go to our website, rtrpod.com, where all the other episodes and stuff will be embedded there. Send us some abuse. Leave us iTunes reviews, as I keep saying, and none of you do because you're slack. Um, come on, you Spurs! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.